This is Donnie Tuttle, the Sell Anywhere trainer, coach, and practitioner. Welcome to the only podcast designed for the remote sales professional and the remote leader, helping you live with more joy, more freedom, and more productivity. We believe that your talent is not limited to your zip code and that you can build the life that you want while selling from anywhere. Sales Heroes listeners, I am so excited to be hanging out with you today. I have no idea where you're at. You might be on a boat. You might be in your car right now. You might be on a plane because I know you're someone who is not limited by your zip code. I have someone who is going to absolutely help you to up your sales game. She has been in this thing for a while. As a matter of fact, not only has she been uh, considered a top expert in sales and constantly consulted by uh, places like Forbes and all kinds of other you know, lists that you're going to find out there, but I just found out this is like a tall tale happening. She was born <laughs> with this blood flowing through her veins. It's Alice Hyman. And um, Alice, I'm just going to bring you on. Introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, what you do. Fill in the blanks for us a little bit. Yeah, thanks so much. It's so fun to be on the show. And I am one of those salespeople I always say, office in a bag, right? I can work <laughs> from anywhere because I have everything I need in my bag. And okay. that is really fun. Right? Start there. Where are you at right now? Uh, like, location, zip code. Where are we at today, Alice? So today I'm actually in my home office. After being on the road in July and only being home for five days, um, this month I am home and working from my home office. But uh, I was two days ago up at Lake Tahoe working from there, office in a bag. So I had everything I needed with me and I was able to enjoy the lake for a couple days with friends and also get some work done. And oftentimes, you know, I'm in any city, you name it, uh, working from there and love that. I can work from my backyard. I do have an office in downtown Reno and I go there sometimes. Uh, and my team is, is down there sometimes and sometimes they're here working from my home as well. So it's really nice to have that kind of flexibility and just really be able to sit down anywhere, open your laptop and do the work you need to do. All right. So I'm going to, Alice, I'm going to ask you to go through the mental photo lab in your brain and you are going to bring me to the, your favorite place that you worked from the last couple of months. Well, I got to work from Park City, Utah, which Ooh. is absolutely beautiful and really not that much difference than Reno. I live in the mountains. I live at 5,000 feet. So I look out my window right now and I just see beautiful mountains um, all over the place and I love that. But I had uh, got to spend some time. I was speaking at a big event in Park City, and so I was working from there, and it was absolutely lovely. Um, aside from just two days ago working at Lake Tahoe, like you can't beat that. You look out your window, you look at Lake Tahoe, and you're on your computer. I mean, ah, fantastic. Is it when we are in beautiful places? Don't we do beautiful work, Alice? What do you we think? Do. Yeah, absolutely, we do. I love that. So. Tell us a little bit about, um, I alluded to a little bit of the tall tale in the making, but tell us, how did you end up as one of the world's leading experts in sales, especially when it comes to the complex sale? Um, how did that happen? Did you, did you grow up thinking, I want to be this when I, when I become? No. <laughs> no. It didn't. Okay. How did that happen? 
Yeah. So I think most, like most kids, you know, you, you don't think, oh, I'm going to be in sales when I grow up. <laughs> uh, I had a couple of kind of sales jobs when I was young in high school. I, I worked selling bras. Uh, that was super fun. And then I was a camp counselor and did other things like that. But I went to college to be an elementary education teacher. Actually, I, I, I take that back. I went to college to be an artist. So I was an art major. And then one day I woke up and said, how am I going to make a living? And then I switched my major to education and got a degree in special education, graduated and worked in special education, and then got a master's degree in reading and became a reading specialist. And did that for 13 years before I actually went into business with um, my father and um, my stepmom. And they, they own Miller Hyman, which some of you may be familiar with, an internationally renowned sales training company. But I never planned to do that. And I never planned to be in sales. The funny thing is, is even when I was a teacher, I was so entrepreneurial that I was always starting up things. <laughs> and so I had started up these clubs and groups. And then I actually started a business while I was teaching. I was teaching elementary school as a reading specialist and I was teaching graduate level courses in the evenings. And that led me to start a, a company called Book Adventures, where I was providing uh, resources for parents and teachers so that they could do a better job delivering curriculum to their kids. So, um, you know, I didn't think of myself in sales then either, but I was. Uh, and then when I went to work for Miller Hyman, then I truly was in sales because that's all about sales. And uh, that's where I really got my true education on the complex sale and how to sell to large companies when you're a small company and really be able to move that sale forward and close the deal. Wow. This is, this is amazing because I'm hearing that you... So you went from being a teacher, by the way, um, the, the other per there's another person on this call right now who was a teacher as well. Awesome. Uh, four years, four, I did four years as an elementary um, school teacher. And <laughs> uh, it's, it's amazing. So then you, you jumped from that and you went into sales and selling with Miller Hyman. What were you, what were you selling? Well, Miller Hyman sells a sales process on strategic selling and conceptual selling. Uh, strategic selling helps you get positioned to make the sale and conceptual selling helps you call on the individuals and teams of buyers and have a really productive meeting. So uh, those were the two main courses. They also had a course in large account management. Well, they still do. Um, but my dad sold that company way back in 98, but I'm still friends with the people at Miller Hyman and um, do a couple projects with them now and then. Uh, but that's what I was selling back then. I was only with them about three years and I helped them prepare the company to be sold and they did a successful exit. So I started my own company. And what's really fun about that, um, I'm a business person and you know, a business owner and a salesperson. So I you know, hit the streets every day and, and sell, but also run a company. So wearing many hats. But when I left Miller Hyman, a lot of the uh, senior executives was the dot-com time and they were all running to these dot-coms we call them startups now but back then it was the internet time so it was all the name of company.com right right and that was kind of the first of it so they were at smaller companies not the type that i was used to selling to at miller hyman and i started to work with them to start sales teams up from scratch and so you said how did you become an expert on this well i knew nothing about starting a sales team from scratch i just went about it, you know, in my logical way that I do. It's like, okay, 
here's what we're selling. Here's who we're selling it to. We're going to need this many salespeople. They're going to need computers. We're going to need to train them. <laughs> They're going to need support. You know, what are we going to do? So we just built sales teams from scratch. And uh, I got to work with the owners, the founders of these companies and, and their sales leadership and their um, investors. And we had some, some really good times growing companies back then. Of course, a lot of them failed as, as startups do. But I really learned how to work with smaller companies and have never gone back. Uh, the companies that I work with are all under $100 million. I, occasionally, I shouldn't say all. Occasionally, I have a company that's a little bigger than that, or I work with a division of a company that's inside a bigger company. But I love helping small companies sell to big companies and help them navigate the complexities of doing so. So all the companies I work with have a business-to-business -business sale, and they all have something that costs a lot of money and it's um, complicated to sell and they're in high, high growth industries and it is so much fun. Okay. So along this journey, I'm like, I'm, I'm hearing some, some teacher things that are popping up and I'm sure like as a curriculum maker, like that had to come into play with what you're doing now because not everyone can deliver a message or content or, or, you know, any message or, or curriculum that you want people to learn it's not all the same. So I'm hearing there, there's, there's, there sound like some, some sales type of talents and skills that just burst forth. Like what, what talents did you discover that you had along the way? Yeah, well, I think that, you know, having no real formal sales training as most of us don't, and then going into Millerheim and being trained in those methodologies and really hanging on to those. I think that one of the best skills any salesperson can have is learning. Be a lifelong learner. So as with teaching, I had to stay on top of things. I had to always know what was coming, better ways to teach children and stay on top of that and keep myself educated. It's the same in the sales world. And, and, and as a business owner too, I study leadership. Uh, I study processes to improve my company. Uh, I study you know, any way that I can do things better. Uh, I'm always studying lead generation. Um, I'm on the Gartner Sales Council. And Gartner, for those of you who don't know, they're a research firm. They have a bunch of analysts who are constantly looking into the market and figuring out what's going on. Um, they have uh, thought leadership in the arena of sales, marketing, IT, and other areas. And they write a lot of research. So I always want to read that research and know what's going on in the buyer's mind. I want to keep educated on the industries that I work in. So I think for salespeople today, being well-educated in their industry and their customers' industries and just sales in general and how sales work, it's really important for them to stay on top of all that because things are changing and there's great information out there that you can bring in. Another great company to follow is CSO Insights. They have a lot of uh, really good information about what's happening in sales today and the buyer and the buyer's journey and how buyers want to be sold to and all of the things that impact buyers today. Mm. So keep learning. That's what I have to say. Be a lifelong learner. Being a lifelong learner. Um, absolutely. Right. It, uh, to pull out the quips like learners or earners, right? Readers or leaders, vice versa. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you, there's, I don't think anything else that's going to um, lead you to as stratospheric of a rise as just committing your mind to learn. 
And um, listen, we all have excuses. We all have busyness that can get in our ways, but how many Netflix shows are you watching right, right now? <laughs> right. already. <laughs> yeah. So like, like take some time and uh, maybe have a small TV and a big library um, in the process. So like one of the things, Alice, I was, I was drawn to you because I saw a post on LinkedIn and it was concerning the use of trade shows. And uh, just being from, I, I worked with um, a group, we worked with thousands of um, trade associations in the past. <laughs> I've worked trade shows. I've seen what I have noticed, Alice, is that most people don't, either they haven't identified how this actually comes into play with their sales process, or they just don't fully appreciate this as, um, as a larger part of, of one strategy or one voice. But I've seen people literally show up, put their, put their shingle up, hand out their, their, their stuff and expect something to happen. Yeah. And, and, it, and it blows my mind why someone would spend thousands of dollars to do this. And I've seen still people even with, with a low level of, of, um, of ability still walk out with, with sales. Yeah, but, but I, just, I just don't see it being done right. And I know that this is something that you are in the zone. Can you share with us, like, what should be happening? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because the companies that I work with all have to generate leads, just like all of you, right? Some of them have marketing departments that help them, and some of them, the salespeople are on their own to generate their own leads. And over the many years, 20 plus years that I have been working with uh, small companies and large, what I know is that they use trade shows as a mechanism to generate leads. Now, some do it pretty poorly and don't actually generate many leads. And some do it really well and generate a lot of leads. In fact, they can generate a year's worth of leads at a trade show if they yeah. do it right. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's something I've had to become an expert in just by default. My clients are going to these trade shows and they want to get leads. And so I've had to learn what it is that makes up a good plan for a trade show or a conference or any event. I mean, you just name it, any kind of event where you're gonna exhibit or you're inviting people to come to you, in any of those cases, you have to have a really good plan. And what I noticed years ago when I started trying to figure this out is, oh, they just don't plan enough. They just show up, they buy, you know, marketing, the marketing part's good, we got a booth, buy a booth, we buy some, uh, promotional goods. We get some nice shirts with our logo on them for everybody to wear. You know, we do some things that are marketing and then we show up and, and then we scan badges and then we take the, that list of scanned badges back and make salespeople basically make a cold call to a, a, you know, a cold contact That's or all it is. to this list of people who really could care less about us. So that that's just not a good way to do a trade show and it's not a good way to get a return on your investment. So I've built a process that will take you from before the show to during the show to after the show and all of the things that you need to do to make sure you get a return on investment. And um, for all of you out there who are startups or who are thinking of starting something up after 20 plus years doing business as Alzheimer's LLC, I actually launched a company in October to focus specifically on the sales side of trade shows because there's a gap in the market. There's plenty of people who will help you with all the marketing aspects of a trade show and very few people helping with 
the sales side of a trade show. So I took all those years of knowledge and I added to them and talked to hundreds of industry experts. I interviewed 30 industry experts and got more information from them. I look at all the trade show organizations and consolidated that. And my partner, Diana Guerin and I launched Trade Show Makeover. So we really believe that you will be highly successful at a trade show if you spend most of your time focusing on what, you know, before the show, everything you need to do before you actually arrive. And that will make it seamless what you do at the show and how well it will go because you have prepared everything, you've practiced, everybody knows what they're supposed to do, where they're supposed to be, when they're supposed to be there, and they all know what the goals are and the expectations, sales and marketing have worked together to um, build a really good plan. And with that, um, you have a seamless, easy time at the show doing the things you need to do. And then the follow-up is really easy. Nobody's cold calling anybody from a list. And you're following up with interested people, buyers that really want to learn more about your products and services. What's up, you wandering slayer of sales? Hey, listen, if you know anything about me, you know that I am a teacher and I believe in sharing experience, right? That's what this whole podcast is about. Well, I've actually taken all of the best stuff from the people I've interviewed on this podcast and other places and all of the people I've coached around the world and my own experience. Listen, two and a half years of bumping my head and doing it wrong finally gave me a formula that helped me to be able to not only go out there and crush my schedule when my office was only a 10 feet commute, (laughs) but also to be more effective than anyone else that's out there. Listen, if you can sell anywhere, you can sell everywhere. And so this is a course for a mastery of those who are without an office or those who are aspiring to be without an office. So go ahead and go over to DonnieTuttle.com right now. And you're going to see right there in the the header there, you're going to see some information about the new Sell Anywhere course. And guess what? You get the first one for free. So go check it out right now, DonnieTuttle.com. And now back to the show. I love it. And Alice, when when I think about this, I think it just doesn't occur to people what's what's going on in the mind of the buyer that's walking the floor at the trade show, right? First off, we're all all getting away to to Vegas or wherever wherever the big show is. And it's me and it's my team. And I've got to worry about getting my, my booth set up and then our, all of our tchotchkes set out. And oh, and by the way, um, that's if I'm an exhibitor, if I'm a decision maker, this is a learning opportunity and it is just, it's, it's rapid fire. There is complete and total exhaustion okay, from most people who are there. So give me some examples of how you would say, this is how you should enter in into this this this. Coliseum, this gladiator arena, and this is how we should leave because there is a before, the middle part is the show, and there's an after. Um, give, give me some examples of the, the before and after. Okay. So everybody probably knows the movie Finding Nemo, and everybody knows the favorite character, Dory, right? She's swimming, 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 right? And she's, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> That's how it is at a trade show. Yes. Right? 
Exactly. They're swimming through this sea of booths, sometimes a hundred, sometimes a thousand. If you're at the fancy food show or, or the consumer electronics show or some other big show, it could be thousands of booths, right? And you're just like, oh, 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 my gosh. How does anybody even, you know, manage it? It's Overload, yes. Overwhelming. For the most outgoing person, it's overwhelming. So we have to think about that. So we know from the statistics from uh, organizations like um, CEIR and uh, Exhibitor Live that people are coming to trade shows to buy. I mean, there's the learning aspects. If it's a conference and there's a trade show affiliated with it, or if it's just a straight trade show, but there's usually some learning. Um, there's some networking, but they are looking for new products. And so knowing that they are there to look for new products and they do have some buying power, of course, there's going to be other people they have to consult before they can make the purchase, but they are there to buy. Treat them that way, you know? Um, and so the first thing is way before the show, figure out who you want to visit with you want to draw them to your booth or you want to schedule an appointment with them or you want to invite them to your events if you have an event in conjunction with the show or if you have a speaker, which is a phenomenal way to do a show, be one of the speakers, invite them to listen to your speaker. So before it, the show is even close, you know, eight weeks out, right? You're looking to see who is going to be at that show. Who do we want to connect with? Who do we want to invite? Who do we want to visit with? And we get that list ready. So I call it a watch list. So that watch list is the most important thing. Everything yes. else is going to take off around it. So you, you're going to even set your theme around that watch list. Who are the people that we want to attract and what do they care about? Our theme should be around what those people care about, what those buyers will care about. Now, maybe you're saying, well, how, you, how do you get the list? Well, sometimes you can buy the list, but eight weeks out, they don't even know who's registered. People register at the last minute. But what they will have is a list of companies who attended last year. Last year. Mm -hmm. And it's likely that those people from those companies will attend again. And so you can take that big long list and using your ideal customer profile, which is the demographics and psychographics of the customers most likely to buy from you and be a good customer. You take that and you narrow down that list and you get yourself a good list of about 25 companies who are the ones you really want to meet. Now there could be thousands of people coming and some of these smaller shows, there's only hundreds and I really like that better, but out of those, you really are going to focus your, your efforts on these 25. Now, that doesn't mean you'll ignore people who just end up at your booth. Of course you won't. But you're going to really focus on attracting the people that you want. And so if you take 25 companies and then you maybe take two or three titles from each company and start to find those people on social media, see if you can find email addresses, you can email, mail, call, link in, tweet, but really start interacting with those people before the show. And for the ones that are, are your customers, of course, you're going to invite them to all of your events, invite them to your booth and invite them to dinners or to meet with you, whatever it is, because it's a great way to get some face time with your customers. But you're also going to ask them if they can introduce you to any of those prospects you'd like to meet. Um, and you're going to reach out to those prospects, even if you can't get an introduction and let them know um, what's interesting and what kinds of things you're going to be talking about in your booth. Not, oh, hey, come visit my booth. 
but we are uh, talking about how X is impacting the industry and we want to get your opinion and we're actually going to be doing a poll at our booth and we hope you'll come by and participate and give us your opinions something like that um, come by and talk to us about or we're, we've got uh, an author at our booth who's going to talk about this and sign their book and give it to you so give them a reason to come to your booth not just hey come visit my booth right so, so if you get that watch list built and you have some really good messaging and you reach out to your customers and prospects around that mess, that theme and that messaging, that information you're going to share and provide. Now, before you ever get to the show, you've got people who can't wait to see you there. So in that sea of Dory's going, oh, 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 right? You have some people going beeline straight for your booth. And they are going to be expecting to see you. They're going to be expecting to meet with you, expecting to come to your dinner or your event, expecting to hear your speaker. So they're the ones who are going to be more qualified, right? Because they're already showing some interest and participating with you. And they are going to be likely to introduce you to other people in their organization and to want to follow up with you afterwards after the memorable conversations you've been having before and during the show, they'll want to continue those conversations after the show. And they'll either buy from you in the short term or in the long term. You'll have to keep in touch with them. So good, Alice. <laughs> Guys, rewind this last part. Listen to it again. If you're going to a trade show in the next few months, you need to hear this. You need to hear this. And I, I love, Alice, we said something before we got on. It's only hard. If you make it hard. If yeah. you make it hard. And what yeah. you just did was you said, hey, listen, come on, let's not make this thing hard. And I love how you, you address uh, the people who already love you. There is a way, these people are there, they would be more than happy to introduce you to people. Yes, what they would. To start. And by the way, you can swing the door the other way as well and make sure to make it a point to introduce those people. But, but starting with, that, with this super group and then being sure to have this identified list of people the thing I love about trade shows is th there's no other place on earth that has, and this is going to sound bad, as much of a target rich group. You know, this is, these are the people you want. They're all gathered in one place. Hot. And like there was, we, <laughs> we lived in a neighborhood um, and the, um, the drainage was going down on one side and there was this channel and the fish were trapped. We were able to hand catch it's like 60 fish one day, me and my kids, we put them into the lake and out of the, out of the channel. That's what I feel like a trade show is, is that we get all of these fish that you could like catch in a much, you could reach out and touch them, but you've got to do it with your brain. You've got to use your intelligence. So talk to me about a little bit about the conversation because the conversation I've seen people and I'm not, it's not always wrong, but, but being able to identify Alice where people are at in the process. If I'm, I, I am here to buy, but I'm also here to do all of these other things. And if you're using up too much of my time or if there's right. like being sensitive to that. So can you bring me to that, like the, the place of conversation and conversion? Yeah. So I'm going to say, first of all, don't pitch and don't demo. Thank you. Unless someone specifically asks you. I mean, you can, of course, have a video of some type in your booth. And a lot of people do. And I think that's fine. 
Um, sometimes they have a loop that's going that might get people's attention, but they also have the ability to demo, but don't do it unless somebody asks because they, they have all these different booths they want to visit. And they also want to go hear the speakers. They have a lot on their plate. So you want to be really conscious of their time. And so when they step into the booth and either they, you were expecting them because you have an appointment or they step into the booth because they want to know what you are doing and what you have. And it looks like something they might need. You know, you want to start the conversation with how, how's the, you know, how's the show? What speakers have you seen? What have you learned? That's been really interesting to you. Just get them talking. Um, I just like to talk about the show. Did you see the keynote? Wasn't that great? So this is another thing that I always tell people with your work schedule for the show, you need to bring enough people with you so yes. that you have booth coverage and people to network and people who can go see the speakers because you want to have topics of conversation that are not all about you and they're not about your products or services. You know, they're just about the trends that are happening in the industry and the things that are impacting people. So if you go to this, the general session and the keynotes, you're going to have that information. You can bring it back to your team and say, this is what they were talking about. But a lot of it you can find out ahead of time because many of these industry organizations have websites with blogs and have experts talking about all these topics. And then a lot of times they'll put out a blog from the person who's going to be the keynote speaker. So gather as much information as you can so that you can have real conversations with people about what's impacting them. It seems like the theme of this show is um, artificial intelligence. How's your company using artificial intelligence? And do you find that that's impacting your sales? So you can get it. People are like, what? You're talking to me about artificial intelligence. You're not trying to pitch me or demo me crazy. Right? So you have a real conversation with people. And then, um, if your product relates to that somehow, you know, you can ask them about how they're solving the problem that you solve currently. So let's say you offer some sort of uh, software to communicate between marketing and sales so that sales has all the tools that they need in their hands when they need them online and off all the time, right? A lot of sales teams need that. So if that's the case and you're talking to them about artificial intelligence and how that's impacting their company and the buzz, you know, that's going on around it. And then you can say, well, you know, how do you solve this problem of communicating with your team? Are you using any artificial intelligence to do that? And you just get the questions phrased up ahead of time so that you can ask big open-ended questions and get them talking and then move them into understanding how they're solving for X, which is what you do, right? We solve X. And you wanna find out if they even have that problem and how they do solve for it currently. Are they using your competitor? Are they using an in-house solution? Are they kind of struggling and doing, they're not doing anything to really improve it right now? So once you find that out, that's kind of your quick qualification. So you have a quick conversation about what's going on with the show and the trends. Then you have a question that moves them into how do they solve? And then you say, wow, I've really enjoyed talking with you and I know you wanna to get to the other speakers and the other booths. Why don't we set up an appointment so that we can yes. have this conversation? Yes. So I, I love, first off, that you're using this as an opportunity to calibrate, right? And just be two humans in the same room at the same time, right. something in common, taking a little bit of qualifying opportunity to really create, this is about creating that future conversation, right? To see right. like, if this is if like, do we want to dance together? 
And so in here's, this is another place where I've seen too many people blow it. And I've, I've been, sometimes I've been just as someone to see like, what do people do? Yeah. Right. I've, I've, it never fails, Alice. I go to a, I go to a show and I come back after being scanned by whoever. And let's say I'm a, I'm a target for some of those people. I will get a call two or three weeks later. Sometimes I'll get an email immediately. Mm-hmm. But I'll get a call two or three weeks later after the magic is gone. Right. I have forgotten you and you're starting. It's almost like a cold call now. Yeah, It is a cold call. And I don't even remember going to your booth because we didn't have a memorable conversation. You just strangled me on the way by <laughs> to scan my badge. Right. <laughs> this is it. So how do we, how do we overcome that? What is, what is, what's cool and not cool in terms of like timeframes and types of conversations to have with people? Um, whether they're people, hopefully, again, like they're people you've actually qualified and had conversations with, but maybe they, they left their card in your fishbowl because you're giving away an iPad, which is obviously the lowest do brand of anything. <laughs> like, why would we even do that? Don't do it. Yeah, yeah I think that follow-up is crucial and it has to happen immediately. So I like to, of course, schedule as many appointments at the show for after the show as I can. So of yes. course, course I'm going to send a an email to them uh it was great talking with you about right hopefully you have a tool that can capture this because you're not going to remember it all but either you're writing notes or you've got a a a product that can capture this information for you so you're going to send them it was great to meet you at the show nice to talk to you about um our meeting is scheduled for here's the agenda for our meeting is there anyone else who should be in uh, you know, on this call with us, I'd love for you to invite them. You get those all done, get those all out, right? In like two days, within two days of the show, you get all those out. Um, if you have the right tools while you're at the show, you can shoot them a follow-up with an attachment of what they were interested in or a link. Um, and, and that's always helpful. So you could start at the show by sending them something immediately after the show. I'm saying within, you know, two days, people are traveling. So if you don't do it the first day right after the show, you don't have to worry about it, but they're going to get that message from you reminding about the appointment and the agenda and, and to invite others. And if they didn't get a chance to make an appointment with you, but you knew they were interested, that's when you send out same, very similar email. It's great talking to you about, I'd love to continue the conversation. Here's the link to schedule the time that's most convenient for you, or here's three times that I could meet, you know, do any of these work for you, however you're going to do that. Hopefully you have a scheduling link of some sort. And if you could give them a little content that is on the topic you were talking about, that's great. Give them a link to click and then track whether they click that. There's many, many tools to track whether Mm -hmm. people click the links or not. Uh, And if you can provide some content, even if your own company didn't write it, but it follows along the vein of the conversation you were having, that's really great. Then the day before, of course, you're going to contact them and remind them about the appointment. Can't wait to talk with you. Um, Here's a link to maybe another piece of content that might be interesting to you as well. So that's all going on with people who were very interested. Now, what about the rest of them? The people who you talked to briefly, but you didn't really get a good enough read if they were qualified or if they were interested. Well, the first day or two days that I get back, I have my calendar blocked off and I, uh, unless it's an emergency, I'm not meeting with anybody else because I need to now do all this follow-up and I need to, uh, to research the companies who were not qualified or interest, 
interested immediately, but I, I still want to follow up with them, right? So um, I always say to everyone, you know, take your calendar, look at the day you get back, the day after, and then the days to follow the next two weeks. Block off two hours a day or one hour a day to do these follow-ups because you're going to need it. So um, if when I first get back, of course, I take care of all the people that I scheduled with and want to schedule with. And then for the rest, I research. So I'll take their name, put it into LinkedIn, uh, look at their company, look at their company page, read a few of the things they've posted, follow, click like, I'll follow them and I'll um, ask them to connect since we met. It's not, you know, we met, it was great to meet you at the conference. I'd love to connect and continue you know, um, getting to know you or continue the conversation, depending on what it was. Um, and then I follow them and interact with them. And then I find other people at their company that might be a potential buyer also. And I start to interact with them. And then I put together a plan for an approach so that I'm not just cold calling them. Uh, and, you know, I'm helping them remember me by connecting with them and interacting with them. I might put them to a drip nurture sequence through my you know, outreach sales loft, vanilla soft type of tool. Um, and, or I might flip it over to marketing and say, why don't you nurture this lead for a while and see if you can get them to download a few things and then send it back to me. But I'm going to research and figure out, not just contact everyone who's badge we scanned. I'm going to research and figure out who's an ideal customer and I'm going to plan an approach for them. So in, in my takeaway from that, it's just like, this is just like any other list in the world, you, everyone's not equal, right? right? They're like, let's go, let's, let's create a hierarchy and let's eat, let's eat our dessert first. Let's go after the best ones first. You're gonna have more wins, more momentum, all of those things. And reality is, is some of the people who are a little bit, you know, they're, they're not in the zone as much, it probably isn't going to yield as much fruit anyway. But this is, this is so rich in Alice, I, I just feel like, I, I don't know if no one's ever thought it through. It just is a part of our business process and we just go. I don't, I don't know why um, we don't see more of this type of logic that's out there, but I, I love the fact that this is what you're, what you're bringing to the world. It desperately needs you. Desperately. Well, thank you. I mean, it is, it is painful to walk through the aisles of a trade show and see salespeople sitting, looking down at their device. You know, it's like, my, this phone is more important than you yes. are. Like, this. What's the most and, painful thing you've seen? What is like, like, can you remember a specific snapshot recently that made you yeah. shudder? So a specific snapshot recently, this is, this is a hundred percent true. I walked up to a booth where I was actually interested in the products and wanted to know more. There were three salespeople and one prospect and the three salespeople were focused on that one prospect and standing there talking to that person. And I was standing, they could see me. I was, right in front of their booth waiting. And I waited for, I don't know, maybe three, four minutes thinking they're going to wrap this up or one of them is going to say, Hey, why don't you guys continue the conversation? I'm going to go over and help. I mean, after all, it is a trade show. The person standing in your booth knows there are other people besides them there. It's not a, an appointment. It's a, you know, you're passed by the booth and you stopped in kind of thing. Uh, so I just stood there and stood there and stood there. And I was like, wow, that is really painful. It doesn't take three people to talk to one prospect when you've got others standing there. And a few people walked by and paused for a moment and then nobody talked to them. So they just kept on walking. But since I was very interested in what they had to offer, I waited knowing that they would 
some point have to stop, you know, the conversation and either invite me into that conversation or one person break away, but they didn't. Um, they didn't. Other things I've seen that are just really as bad as looking at your phone oh. and not looking up are, you know, a team of six people literally standing in a circle. They all had the shirts on from the booth. Yeah. Yeah, and they were all in a circle looking at each other and people were just walking by. There were people walking in their booth, walking around, and they were just talking to each other. They could care less about the people in their booth. So I've seen some, you know, a lot of ignoring of, of potential customers and it's just unbelievable. But um, yeah, I mean, you, you need to be happy to be there, yes. ready to talk to people. Your eyes need to meet theirs. You need to greet them, say hello. You need to stand on the edge of your booth when there's nobody in there and engage with people and just chat with them about the show. Even if they don't come into your booth, just be friendly and nice and chat with people. So sales leaders, I'm hoping you're hearing what Alice has to say here because you might want to have a, a little bit of a huddle before your next game. Right. You know, have, talk about the game plan. Talk about the mindset. Talk about what's not acceptable and where people right. mess up and, and, it, and it goes wrong. And listen, like there's a reality to some of this stuff too. It is extremely um, tiring <laughs> for people to do these things. It is. But it's also, it, it's also exciting and there's so much energy that's happening. And, and I'm telling you that you're, you're, you're missing it. Right now, your, your net's too wide. We need to close some of those holes. And Alice is really showing us the way to do it. I'm going to link your company, obviously, um, in, the, in the show notes here. Uh, but you're not, you're not only just a, a trade show guru. That you've, you've, you were the hero that arose because there was a need. Um, you handle all kinds of things with all kinds of um, companies who are in growth industries in terms of helping sales teams grow. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I did become a trade show guru out of necessity because, you know, like I said earlier, so many of my clients depend on trade shows to generate leads and they just really weren't doing it in an impactful way. So sometimes what we say, you know, um, necessity is the mother of invention. So that that's how trade show makeover was born. But for the past 20 years, I've been lucky enough to work with the owners of companies and their sales leaders to impact sales at their company, to look at their sales organization, their sales process, and to really help them get from where they are with their sales revenue to where they want to be with their sales revenue. And I've had companies who have um, grown tremendously, doubled in size, um, had su successful exits because their valuations were high because of their sales. So it's a very joyful job that I get to do. It's not always easy because you're having to change things. And sometimes you're having to tell people that, that these owners, the salespeople you have are not working out very well. They're not the right type of salespeople. Uh, we're going to have to let some of them go or, you know, we need to kind of reorganize things. And so it's not always in that sense easy, but um, it's very straightforward. These are the things you need to do to grow your sales. And if you do them, your sales will grow. And so that's, it's fun to watch. Super cool. So, and I know you're a library of knowledge with this stuff. Um, but like if you were to recommend like the must reads, and I'm sure that the list is always changing because oh, gosh. you're such a, a reader and a learner. Um, what, would, what would you put out there? What are, what are the things that if I haven't read, I need to read them you know, if I'm in sales? So some are old, old books that are just standards for me, um, thinking, grow rich and how to win friends and influence people. If you are a salesperson and you haven't read those, read them. 
I make my kids read them. I make my students at the university. I teach uh, sales and the entrepreneurship minor at the University of Nevada. I make them read those books. I love uh, Daniel Pink's book, To Sell as Human. So if you are not in sales, uh, but you're thinking about starting a business, you better read that book. Um, but I think it helps everybody with their, their mindset on sales. Uh, of course, my father's books are must-reads, Strategic Selling and Conceptual Selling. Strategic Selling shows you how to get positioned to make a complex sale. And Conceptual Selling tells you how to conduct the meetings with the buyers that you'll need to in a way that will advance the sale. So uh, the strategy and tactics that you'll need. Uh, there's so many great books out there. I, gosh, couldn't even begin to name them all. But um, if you follow me and uh, follow some of the other sales experts out there, we post a lot of these books frequently so that you can see which ones might be interesting for you to read. Uh, there's, there's just so many. Well, Alice, you have been more than generous with the knowledge today. Um, we're going we're gonna to close up shop. Uh, we'll make sure that, uh, well, maybe you could tell us how people can get in touch with you if they want to find you and if there are any last words of wisdom or fire that you have on the way out. You can certainly share those now. Well, thank you. Um, if you're interested in trade shows, please go to tradeshowmakeover.com and we have a blog there with lots of stuff for you, videos and uh, articles and lots of information to help you improve your trade shows, of course. And then if you want to talk with Diana or I, just schedule time to talk with us. We're always happy to chat with you and learn about what you're doing at trade shows and and improve that. If you want to learn more about what I do with the complex sale and with sales organizations, then go to alicehyman.com. And again, I have a blog there with great information to help you advance a sale, uh, especially the complex sales specifically, but a lot of the information would help anyone in sales. So uh, be sure to stop by the uh, smartsalestips.com blog, which is on my Alice Hyman website. Uh, and then of course you can find me on LinkedIn and tell me that you heard me on this show. Yes, 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 yes. Well, thank you for joining us. And for those of you in the audience, listen, if you can sell anywhere, you can sell everywhere and <laughs> trade shows need to be a part of your diet, but only if you're willing to committing to doing it right. Thanks yeah. a lot, Alice. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on the Sell Anywhere podcast, where we believe if you can sell anywhere, you can sell everywhere and your talent is not limited to your zip code. Listen, this is not a one-way street. I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you uh, on your ratings. Write me on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever you listen to us on. That helps me immensely. Do that now. But also reach out. Find us on sellanywhere.com and you can interact with us there on LinkedIn, on so many different places. I want to hear from you. What are your struggles? Who do you want on the show? What are things that you feel like I could help you to solve? I love you so much that I'm doing whatever I can to give value so that I can spend the rest of my life with you. So let me know what I could be doing to help you in your journey.